1: listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare
3: when you buy kroger brand products you feel like you're winning that's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices in fact we guarantee that you and your family will love how kroger brand products taste or you get your money back so next time you're shopping for the family. Look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh
1: for everyone. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah! Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.
3: Finding the right news podcast can feel like dating. It seems promising until you start listening. When you hit play on post reports, you'll get fascinating conversations and sometimes a little fun too. I'm Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Azadi. Martine and I are the hosts of Post Reports. The show comes out every weekday from The Washington Post. You can follow and listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. It'll be a match, I promise.
4: Follow the Prophet is a production of Gingrich 360 and iHeartRadio. There are many parts of the American dream, and one of those fundamental parts of it is a college education but as we all know and probably have learned ourselves college is really expensive and a lot of times students need to work just to get through we're going to take a look at that trade-off and some experts say working while going to college creates better opportunities down the line and speaking of college we're also going to have a chat with one entrepreneur who went to college got those degrees, opened up a couple of businesses, invested in real estate, and oh yeah, she's also a beauty queen as well. I'm David Grosso, and this is Follow the Profit. If you're expecting a motivational get rich quick show, then go find another podcast. I've spent years in the trenches reporting on the world of finance. And here on Follow the Profit, we're going to deconstruct what's going on in the economy politics and finance so that you can use your money to help you follow the profit first i want to talk to you about diversity i'm not talking about in the workplace or in your investments i'm talking about diversity in your own life some people just focus on a couple of endeavors in their life but there are those who truly have a diverse life a well-rounded life just like our guest today she was born way over in south korea and moved here to the united states specifically cactus land arizona When she was five, while going to school, her teachers discovered she was a double threat. She loved performing and she was also good at academics. So given all of those natural born gifts, where did my guests path go? Well, first she went to college. She got two degrees. She has a political science degree and actually a degree in law. And after that, she moved to Las Vegas, a place we all love and worked at one of the top law firms in that city. And in 2012, she went down the entrepreneurial path and co-founded a really fun company that we're going to talk about, which is Sin City Cupcakes. Then she opened up a swimsuit company, which partners with charities. And on top of all of this going around, she's now a real estate broker, investor, and she's a model, and she won Miss Nevada. This is Lisa Song Sutton, and she joins us now to talk with us. How are you doing, Lisa?
5: I'm great. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me.
4: So Lisa, how'd you have the time to do all of this?
5: I think it was, you know, just a very organic experience and pathway. Um, I really enjoyed the work that I did at the law firm here. And um, to this day, the firm still does business litigation and business bankruptcy. And, you know, I liked the people that I worked with. I still have a great relationship with my old boss. So I don't have this kind of stereotypical, like, oh, like I hated my job and I stuck it to the man and decided to open my own company. I was just working in in the law firm and learning a lot. And Sin City Cupcakes was my first venture. And I started that company uh, while still working full-time at the firm.
4: So you seem like one of those people, Lisa, that kind of likes everything. And you seem to have done that at a very young age. So how did you specifically focus on what you were going to do? How did you finally say, I'm going to go with this and stick with it?
5: Well, growing up, my parents were really big on academics, of course, and just really pushing me to explore things I like and things I'm good at. I'm really good at processes. I like how-tos. I like writing out like steps one through 10 of what needs to get done. And any solid business, I think, has to have good solid processes and good finances. And so those were the things that I brought with Sensity Cupcakes. I didn't even learn how to bake until we opened the company. I had just, uh, you know, I was talking to my co-founder about it, Danielle, and she told me she'd been making these alcohol cupcakes. And I was like, that's genius. That's an amazing idea. And it's perfect for Vegas. Let me help you start the company. And in that endeavor, I did the things that I was good at right which was helping build processes helping provide the funding and then you know get to be part of of the company as it bootstrapped and so i brought those same things over and over and over to every venture that we've done since then and i don't think it's you know reinventing the wheel it's just digging deep and and going hard on the things that you're good at and the things that you like
4: when did you realize i can do this in all these respective fields because there are people who have been wanting to be beauty queens since they were born. There are people who have always wanted to be lawyers. There are very talented food and beverage people out there. What led you to believe I could do all of this?
5: Everyone's wired different. And so what you consider to be as you know goals or achievements or you know whatever your objective and purpose is, that's gonna be different for everybody. But for me, I knew that I wanted to build a business portfolio where I could have different streams of revenue coming in at different times from different places. And then on a personal level, I wanted to always just keep pushing myself. So whether that's as an entrepreneur and starting new businesses or even with the pageantry, I mean that was a deep dive into community. That was I did nearly 500 community appearances as Miss Nevada. And that was, I was running around the state like a crazy person. Like I was volunteering with schools, reading in hospitals, working with countless nonprofits. Like I was running around everywhere and I got a chance to meet so many people that I absolutely otherwise would have never have met. And it was simply because I was volunteering my time, I was getting a chance to be part of all these amazing organizations that help Nevadans and I got to be their spokesperson for the year, you know, whatever capacity I was in. And that was born through, you know, me wanting to push myself and challenge myself and I I was an underdog when I entered that pageant. Anyway, I wasn't supposed to win.
4: And I imagine there's some failure baked into this cake. Can you tell me how you failed in a certain endeavor and that actually helped you succeed eventually?
5: So look i have four companies that i've co-founded and that are doing well in nevada right now but that's not the same amount of ventures that i've tried to start i have other ventures that i've started with partners that some of them exploded in the very beginning some of them were chugging along for a couple years and then they dissolved i mean of course like there's different paths that are taken but if you don't risk it if you don't try then You'll just you know, continue to be in the same place. And for some people, that's okay. Like Some people want that constant stability of just, I know what my lane is and this is what I'm doing, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm happy with that. And that's wonderful. You have to do what works for you.
4: I imagine some of these failed ventures, once upon a time you were really passionate about them. How did you continue to move on, to push forward when you were Perhaps disappointed with the outcome.
5: I think you have to make a conscious choice to actually move on and not dwell on it. Like when something fails and blows up in your face, you're embarrassed. You know, you're mad. Maybe you're looking to blame someone. Maybe fingers are getting pointed. I mean, look, 2020, I lost my congressional run. Like that sucks. Like it sucks to lose, right? Like you don't take on any endeavor, especially when that big in a federal race in a federal campaign
4: to lose, <laughs> wait, right? Wait, like... <laughs> Lisa, you also dipped your toes into politics. Is there anything that is off limits? I guess you can't be a doctor because you haven't gone to medical school. But
0: no, I mean, I, mean any... I bring there...
5: that up. No, seriously, I bring that up because like it sucks, right? Like 2020 in some ways was such a awful year. Like I'm not even kidding. It, so, so if I if I only want to focus on all the bad that happened to me in 2020 i could rattle it off like there's no tomorrow i lost my federal campaign Um, my dad died in october i mean just i could list it you know for days but what you feed and where you put your time and attention and energy and focus is what grows so i'm making an active choice to focus on all the amazing positive things that happened in 2020 which was my brokerage like Exploded 2020, we doubled our agent staff. We five X our production. I mean, it's just insane. Cause um, the
4: housing market is crazy, right? Exactly. People yeah. People are, are fleeing yes. high
5: tax states from California and, and New York specifically, but, and they're all coming here. How amazing for us, our shipping stores, we had over 30% growth from 2019 to 2020. And that's even with like you know the pandemic and you know having to be shut down for a small period of time and working on shortened hours for a period of time, we still did better in numbers than 2019. So you know you have to look at where am I turning my time and attention to. And if I wanted to like wallow in self pity about like all the bad shit that I feel like happened to me in 2020, then I don't see how that's productive.
4: Let's talk a little bit about being an entrepreneur and a beauty queen all at once because we don't tend to think of the entrepreneur as being glamorous, but you walk in and bring all the glam. It's Have you so had
5: issues glam. with that? It's glam. <laughs> you know it's glam. Um, no, I mean, it's, it's a double edged sword, right? And I think people think, oh, entrepreneurship, own my own business, I can set my own schedule and I can go on vacation and I can do. No, like you're an operator. And in the beginning, you're wearing all the hats. Right? Like you are doing everything. Um, and if you're not willing to put in that work, don't become an entrepreneur. It's one of the hardest jobs you'll ever have. You're you're going to quit a job where you work five days a week to go work seven days a week. But I think you have to be yourself. And so for me, I've always been girly and feminine and and it's just part of my M.O. And, you know, whether it came from, you know, my mom. So my mom's a former Miss Korea, which is why I had to do the pageants because she called me and she was like, you're getting ready to age out like. Are you competing or not? And I was like, oh God, like
4: <laughs> yeah. then we wonder where the motivation comes from. Your mom is definitely an institution in your life, isn't oh she? Oh my god. Lisa? You know,
5: I have a joke with my girlfriends. I'm like, no man could ever hurt my feelings because I grew up with an Asian tiger mom.
4: But you're a lawyer. What do you mean you're gonna age out? You already went to law school. What is no, she talking about? You're gonna help. age she out. That's not good me, enough.
5: It is not good enough. <laughs> she called me. November of 2013. And she was like, are you competing for Miss Las Vegas? And I was like, I don't know. I'm kind of busy. I just started a company. Like, I'm still working. What are you talking about? And she was like, you're getting ready to age out because um, at that time, Miss America, the age out was 24. Age cutoff for USA was 26. And you miss United States was 29. And I was 28. And so my mom was just like, this is your last chance. After 29, you fall (laughs) off a cliff. You have to do something about this. And I was like, "Well, let me just stop everything and get my life together." Then
4: it seems like your mom has some pretty unrealistic standards there. That somehow you have met Lisa. All Asian so hats moms off. Do
5: I mean come on, right? Like, have you guys seen those memes about Johnny Kim? He's like former Navy SEAL, Harvard Med, NASA astronaut, and he's got a Korean mom. And it's like this joke that like he's still not. Achieving enough, you know, sort of. It <laughs> it's
4: what it is. The businesses in the professions you've chosen are actually very tough. One of them being real estate. You know, a lot of people leave their jobs to go into real estate, and it's not easy. And I want to, you to tell the audience about that.
5: Yeah, everyone's like, oh, I'll just get my real estate license. But yeah, it. It's very different being a top producer versus someone who has their real estate license. um There's a couple tests that you have to pass, and and that's it. You know What's important to remember with with the real estate industry is, um, in my experience, it's it's all contracts and negotiation. So once you have a strong foundation in that, which I did coming from the legal world, I realized you just have to put on your advocate hat. When you are someone's agent as a top producer, your number one priority is to be their advocate. You are there to represent them, whether it's selling their house or helping them find one. you have to be that for them and be looking out for their best interest. Um, and I think that, you know, unfortunately there's a lot of uh, people who call themselves professional in this industry and at their heart, they're not concerned about the client. They're more worried about their commission. And when you have, you know, a mentality like that, you can't build a sustainable business on that. So I started my career in real estate with Sotheby's and I was with them for five and a half years. And then I brought the Christie's to, Las Vegas to Southern, Nevada. so wait, wait,
4: wait, so Sotheby's and Christie's are competitors. So you Correct. worked for, for yes. Sotheby's and then brought their competitors. Yes. So they created yes. a monster Lisa.
5: <laughs> so what happened with that was there was no path for growth for me at the local Sotheby's office. And I was like, okay. So I called a real estate mentor of mine, um, John Chang. He's amazing. He used to own all the Remaxes in Man- in Mid- midtown in Manhattan. And now he's like, you know, retired at like 51, and like flies around, well, and dates I mean, Russian Remax models. I mean, in it's just, you know, that doesn't sound drink.
4: competitive or anything. Yeah, no, exactly, exactly. <laughs>
5: so I called him and I said, I'm very stuck here at this brokerage, and I've spoken to leadership. There's no path for growth for me here. I love the brand, but I don't like how the local office is being run. It's not a culture that I want to continue to be part of where should I go? And he was like, what about Christie's? Go to Christie's. And I was like, there's no Christie's in Las Vegas. And he was like, what? He was like, you better find out why then. So I call Christie's and they routed me to their closest office at the time to Las Vegas, which was Beverly Hills. And they gave me very Christie's answer. They were like, we only enter tier one markets, So no, we're not in Las Vegas. Goodbye. And I was like, you know what? And so I called them back and I said, we, not, we may not be tier one yet, but let me come meet you and tell you why we're on our way to being tier one, which is why you need to get on the ground level now. And they were just like, what? And so I went to New York and then I went to London and I pitched them on bringing the Christie's to Southern Nevada, why they need to be in Vegas and so I told them that Vegas was on its way to becoming a tier one city. So get in now, and you have to get in with me. You need me to run it. And they were just like, "Who are you again? <laughs> like, what?" Wow! Happening?
4: And you're doing this in London with a bunch of British people. That's fascinating. Yeah, <laughs> and and
5: they did. I got them to sign. We signed an affiliate contract on that trip in London, and. The rest is history. It's been it's been going really, really well.
4: We're gonna take a quick break here. Be right back.
0: Complete terms.
6: I'm Katja Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.
3: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic.
1: Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love.
5: So I went from being an agent with, you know, a brokerage, right? To now I'm I'm an owner. And I knew I didn't want to be a selling owner because I know what that's like to compete against your broker for business. I did it my entire career. And I knew I wanted to build a culture that was collaborative and that my agents trusted me and knew like I had their back so they could call me if they had a deal that was about to go sideways. Let me help you fix it. Right. Instead of being worried about calling me that I'm going to swoop in on their client. We have incredible agents who are all top producers, top of their game, hard workers. Everyone is so helpful with each other. And we all, everyone wants to see everyone win because if everyone's winning in the brokerage, that means the brokerage is winning.
4: You said the other place that you were at, Sotheby's, created a ceiling for you. What do you have to say to people out there? Because I've had this problem myself too, that people don't think when they get a job that one of the things that might happen is that they might be too good for that job so can you tell us a little bit about that because i think that's something people don't talk about a lot is that when you work for someone else they put you in a box and they don't want you to just walk out of that box
5: my whole thing was i don't like the idea of, of being replaceable and being a cog in a wheel if i'm just gonna be like this agent chugging along. I know that there's more that I could accomplish and and really like help elevate the brand and help elevate the brokerage. So I said, look, I said, give me a pathway to leadership. Give me a pathway for ownership. I'm not greedy. I'm not here to take the whole thing. What I want is not only incentive, but a, a, a pathway for growth that's gonna incentivize me and excite me to bring the resources that I have and the passion that I have, because I can accelerate this place. I know I can.
4: I'm morbidly curious about your political, right? <laughs> so, What inspired you? I mean, you're talking about the hardest stuff, the oh law, my God. real was, estate brokerage, or you can open a crazy. cannabis farm. I, I can't think of anything harder than all this <laughs> no, stuff. No, seriously, Lisa. like a
5: politics, obviously not in the plan. Politics was not in the plan. Let me be very clear about that. The opportunity presented itself. So we opened a second location of uh, ship, Las Vegas. And we opened in an area that's right outside Nellis Air Force Base. At the time, it was a bit of a blighted area. It was literally vacancies on all sides, and the landlord up there was just like, "You can choose any suite number because they're all vacant." And we were just like, <laughs> just "What?" Deb- so just like,
4: blown out. Over yeah, there. and
5: like abandoned Walmart to this day is still the next door neighbor up there. And I was just like, "How does a place like this?" exist there's this little pocket of las vegas that has an abandoned walmart like when does walmart pull out of anywhere there's a reddit on this location called stab mart because it was just like shoplifting and crime were you know the main reasons that walmart left so i'm this like ever optimistic entrepreneur and i'm right well you opened
4: a business next to stab mart
5: yes (laughs) i opened a business next to stab mart and um you know i called my friends who work at metro at the police department and they're like oh honey they're like go back to Summerlin. like please don't do this like stop it you (laughs) know what i mean like stop it right now don't do this but i was so determined because i was like this place has no resources Like, like people live around here what the what do they do where do they go it was one of those things where, because I got to know that community and I got to learn about why those, the deep rooted reasons for why that area is continually overlooked. And it's, it's frustrating because they have elected officials on both sides of the aisle for that area and no one does anything. Like It's, it's so incredibly frustrating. And they're all like career politicians. That is politicians.
4: so sad. Oh, they don't care. And they're all like
5: career politicians. And I was just like, you know what? No. We need more private sector. I don't care what your party is. If you are private sector and you have a passion for your community, run for something. Run for an elected position, whether it's at the local level, state level, federal level. Run for something. Because as private sector, we have a completely different outlook on economics, city growth, area growth. We have a completely different outlook on that because we know what it's like. We know what it's like to go into an area that needs help and open up a freaking business and we, we did it. Like we opened up very apprehensively in the beginning because now I got all freaked out, like my friends who work for the police department were like, this is an area that we call the triangle. This is the longest lead times, most amount of calls. Like you are going to get robbed. And it's frustrating when you hear stuff like that, right? So literally just out of um, you know, concern for personal safety, you have people telling you, don't invest in this area. Don't like, put any resources into this area because it's, it's lost, it's lost forever. And unfortunately, I think you, know, you, you find pockets like that in every city, in every state around this entire country. And it's gonna take private sector to stand up and do something about it, which is what I did. I ran for Congress for that area and everyone was like blown away. Like they were so excited about it because I was a familiar face. I was someone that was part of their community. The very first customers we had, the day we opened our doors at, at that location were these two little old ladies live in the apartments across the street. And they were so happy to have a place to buy stamps. They were like hugging us. like. Because without us, they have to take a bus to the closest post office, which is like 45 minutes away.
4: It's crazy. So, I mean, this has ended up being the most important part of this entire episode. Why do you think we just leave areas abandoned? It's so sad because we're the richest country in the world. And I feel the same way, Lisa, there's places not so far from where I'm sitting that are just ignored. And there's a whole political class of people who are just apathetic and mediocre running the place.
5: And, and that's the problem, right? The second someone looks at politics as a career, I think it's game over because now they have a completely different lens through which they look at public relations, through which they look at how they conduct themselves in relation to you know, any business or growth for that area, leaving it blighted and abandoned is actually better for them because they find a way to point fingers and say it's someone else's fault. And so keep me around because for God's sakes, it's gonna be, you know, this person's gonna mess it up or whatever. Like, it's just crazy to me. It's like backward. Like it's the complete opposite in business. In business, we have metrics. And if it isn't working, you change it. You adjust and you, you get to the root of the problem and you nip it in the bud and you either root it out by whatever you have to do or you change it. And I think With politics, it's so important for private sector to come off the sidelines and get involved. And I think any normal business person would have the same reaction I initially did, which was hell no. Are you crazy? I'm not gonna get involved. I'm not gonna run. I'm not gonna do anything because it's so partisan. People I, I don't want to cause any waves. I just wanna work my job and you know, be in my it's business hard. and that's it, it's, right? It's
4: hard, Lisa. It's hard to subject your family to that. I mean, never mind you are a You're beauty queen thing. and you yeah. understand how public that is. Imagine right. politics.
5: Oh, it's it's it is an experience unlike any other. And I will say, like I credit it for just making me stronger. Um, and it really showed me like, who's on my team. You know what I'm saying? Like my circle tightened up so fast when that happened. And I'm grateful to say that there weren't any surprises, if that makes sense, regardless of political affiliation. And I have friends who are on both sides of the aisle. My squad was my squad. They were like, we know you and we know like why you're doing this and you're going to crush it. Like whatever happens, we know that like, you're going to make a better impact on the community. And that was the objective. That was the goal. I implore anyone who's in private sector to please, please get involved. Even if it's only in supporting candidates that come from private sector. Like we're all busy. I get it. Like it's a completely different, you know, path to take. And I put 10 months of my life on hold when I did that federal campaign. But please like support private sector who get into politics.
4: It seems like you need to start a super pack, entrepreneurs for office. <laughs>
5: yes. Yeah. I just, I, I'm down. I'm down. I mean, I think, you know, that's what it takes. It takes private sector for us to be like, no, I know what it's like to wear all the hats. I know what it's like to open up a business in a blighted area. And here's the blueprint, right? I did it successfully. We're, we're about to be open for three years. It can be done. Let me help you. Like, let's turn some areas around.
4: Well, that, that is inspirational, and I hope, Lisa, that there's so many more people out there doing similar work, because we desperately need that in this country.
5: We do, and it's, you know, it's the American dream, right, of people wanting to be financially secure and, and building what they want to build. And so like, what better way than to, than to encourage that within a community that needs it the most?
4: Thank you so much for joining us. Wonderful conversation, Lisa. Thank you for always being a friend of Bold TV and a friend of mine.
5: Of course. Thank you so much for having me.
4: A college education is the goal for so many people. However, many people can't afford the tuition of most universities. So they do what we all do. They apply for financial aid, but many, many more also have a job while they're studying and now there's two schools of thought on this there are those who believe that one should devote all of their time to a college education but some other analysts believe a stark no a college student should work when they're going to school in fact we found one study that shows that your earnings after college are much higher if you work during your first year in college the belief is there is a development of basic work skills Like, you know, showing up on time, taking direction from your supervisor, and just being a good worker, diligent and focused. There's also an expectation that the majority of college students work. One statistic shows that 70% do. A typical summer job can average around $1,500, while a campus job could bring in a lot more, more like $2,700. That campus job also gives a student a better understanding on how the university is run day in and day out. So unless you have a trust fund, a part-time job probably isn't going to pay for your tuition, but it could help. But you should proceed with caution because there are other problems that come out if you work too much. One, of course, it could distract you from your studies. And two, it could affect your financial aid. We found one college analyst who claims that part-time work income should be capped At $7,000 that's your hard ceiling that's because any income above that reduces your financial aid eligibility by 50% and that could be devastating so remember with all of this type of stuff balance is the key I personally worked part-time during college and it gave me a lot of skills I needed as well as a little money in my pocket you have to find the right balance you have to find the right balance between part-time work and school work. You need some skills for when you get out, but you also need the majority of your time dedicated to the actual work at hand, which is studying. We're going to take a quick break here. Be right back.
1: Let me just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years.
4: So 2020 is the year of COVID, the images of first responders tending to patients, of course, people going about their lives wearing masks. We're always going to remember when the mask wearing started. Then, of course, it's the image that we don't like to think about, right, which is of businesses shutting down, businesses boarded up. But 2020 will also be known as something different. It will be known as the time when applications for businesses skyrocketed, especially in the last part of 2020. That's according to U.S. Census data. If you take a look around March, oof, we remember March, just before COVID you know, slapped us in the face, the number of weekly business applications was between roughly six to 8,000. By August, weekly business applications hit, get this, 20,000. Now you may be asking, what types of businesses are filing to open up? Well, anything that's non-retail, meaning businesses like food trucks, vending machines, And of course, e-commerce, ordering online. For example, the number of buyers and sellers on Etsy, you know, you're familiar with that platform, you get a lot of artsy stuff off of Etsy, have exploded during this time. So why this large jump? Well, we could basically guess number one, right? Economic necessity. A lot of us ended up unemployed. And maybe if we didn't lose our job, we're kind of hanging in the balance there and worried about losing our job, right? So COVID forced people how to figure out how they could turn a buck, and that's exactly why they opened these new businesses. And two, opportunity. You know, with every crisis, there's opportunity. It's not all death and destruction. You should never waste a crisis. I've had so many people come to me and tell me that they got into selling things that we could have never envisioned that would have been popular last year. Think about gloves, masks, and hand sanitizers, pizza, other deliverable food. There's a lot of opportunity when things are shaking up. And that's the reason why a lot of people have opened new businesses. And yeah, as part of that opportunity, online shopping, it just grew, right? Amazon and other digital e-commerce sites grew a lot. Because basically, we always knew that online shopping would grow. We just didn't expect it to grow this fast. And really, COVID fast-forwarded us. 10 years into the future. And we saw all that growth in a very short period. And if you think about this growth in business applications, they're growing in states that really need the economic development, especially in places like Michigan, Louisiana, and Mississippi. And they're also growing in places that are already affluent and becoming more affluent like Georgia and Maryland. So this is a great way to build wealth. Opening your own business is really, it comes out of necessity But in the end, it could really change your life. So I want you to do something for me. Think for a moment about the people that you know that are 35 and younger. It turns out about half of them have a full-time job and a side gig. That's according to one study. And one reason is the precarious nature of the nine-to-five world, right? That's not as stable as it used to be. My grandfather worked for one company his whole career. That really doesn't exist anymore. But beyond that, there's another rationale. There's a belief that at some point, there will be a chance for someone to transition from their full-time job and make their side gig actually their full-time job. So how do you prepare for that? And how do you really lay the groundwork for that transition? Well, some experts have a few tips. So one, think about viability. Emotionally, you may be ready to jump into your side business idea, but how viable is it? Remember, if this side gig is going to financially provide for you, do as much research and analysis the most that you humanly can before you jump in headfirst. Have a financial and mental safety net. That's going to be essential before you dive in headfirst. And two, the overlap. There may be a point where you spread yourself too thin between your full-time job and a side gig, and all that may be overwhelming, but there may be a point where that overlap will actually become beneficial. You may get the bills paid with your full-time job, but whatever money's left can go to developing your side gig. If you take the time to really build out that side gig, other aspects like building your brand, it could end up being a game changer. And third, the six-month factor. If you've gotten to the point where you are ready to make the jump from a full-time job to a full-time gig job, it's a smart thing to have six months of savings as a financial backup. Let's say for a second that your side gig has monthly expenses of around $3,000. When you fully jump in, have $18,000 ready to carry you for six months. Doing so will give you some cushion and some peace of mind as you really, really get going with that business. We here on Follow the Profit aim to deconstruct the economy, investments, personal finances, so that you can have a better understanding to follow the profit. One question I always get asked is, where do I put my money? In the bank, in a mattress, in stocks, in Bitcoin? Well, one woman, we'll call her Haley, went to three different financial advisors with that same question, and she got the same answer three times. Put your money into real estate. Well, Haley, you can add me to that bunch as well. Haley decided to make a budget for investments. She got into the stock market and feels comfortable there, but she wanted to check out other options. Haley was told to buy a rental property. She advised that if it's done right, the property would generate high returns. What is a rental property done right? Well, in real estate, there's three rules. Location, location, location. Picking a good location, is really connected to keeping long-term tenants and managing the property. Haley asked the financial advisors about the other perks of buying a rental property. Well, one is pretty obvious, right? Steady income. Rental money can easily pay off the cost of managing the property. Of course, taxes, maintenance, and utilities, if relevant. And there, it's especially great if there's no mortgage on the property. But even if there is, a lot of times you can still make money having a mortgage on a property. And even if your costs are high, like taxes and maintenance, et cetera, as long as the rent is high enough to cover those costs, even if you are not making money month after month, you could probably guess that that property will continue to rise in value. And that's happened to me. I have a property like that. After the mortgage is paid, I only make about $200 a month. But over time, it keeps on going up in price. So next, let's talk about potentially less risk. If you compare owning a property to the stock market, owning a property is way less risky, right? Because you may have tenant troubles and those are devastating or problems renting out the property. You know, an empty property is the worst thing that could happen to you. It is very, very likely that the property will continue to go up in value. So, yeah, any investment you can get washed out, but stocks, even big companies, we've watched the mighty fall. So, you know, owning a home is in general less risky. Next, control. When you pick and buy a stock, how much control do you really have over it? Well, sadly, not a whole lot because other people are running the company you bought stock in. However, when you own a rental property, that's yours. You have much more control over tenants, maintenance, and other expenditures. And one final note about rental property, it's tangible. You can see it, you can touch it. I love, they call it brick and mortar. It's just cement and bricks i can go drive right now and leave this studio and go see the house that i own and go say hi to my tenant when you buy a stock it's psychologically a little different if i own tesla stock i'll see a tesla driving down the street or you know the charging station by my house it might might make me feel good but it definitely doesn't make me feel as good as owning a home it's really just numbers on a screen and an idea So by adding rental property into your diversified portfolio, I think it it gives you a better chance of financial growth. So remember that. So if you're asking me where I put my money, it's in real estate, there's no doubt about that. Thanks to all of you for joining me as we follow the prophet. A big thanks to my friend, Lisa Song Sutton. She's an entrepreneur, beauty queen, real estate investor, and charity board member, as well as an aspiring politician. She shared her insight and experience of what women and others can do to become an entrepreneur. As always, I'd like to thank our team of producers, Emiliano Limong, Scott Hantler, and our executive producers, Newt Gingrich and Debbie Myers. I'm David Grasso. If you're enjoying the show, please give us five stars and give us a review so that we can learn about what we're doing right and wrong. Follow the Prophet is a production of Gingrich 360 and iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeart, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: Opinions expressed by David Grasso and his guests on the show are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Gingrich 360 or affiliates and may have been previously disseminated by David Grasso on this podcast, television, radio, internet, or or other medium you should not treat any opinion expressed by david grasso as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy but only as an expression of his opinion david grasso's opinions are based upon information he considers reliable but neither gingrich productions nor its affiliates and or subsidiaries warrant its completeness or accuracy and it should not be relied upon as such David Grasso, Gingrich Productions, its affiliates, and or subsidiaries are not under any obligation to update or correct any information provided on this website. David Grasso's statements and opinions are subject to change without notice. No part of David Grasso's compensation from Gingrich Productions is related to the specific opinions he expresses. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Neither David Grasso nor Gingrich 360 guarantees any specific outcome or profit. You should be aware of the real risk of loss in following any strategy or investment. Discussed on this website, website or on the show. Strategies or investments discussed may fluctuate in price or value. Investors may get back less than invested. Investments or strategies mentioned on this website or on the show may not be suitable for you. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You must make an independent decision regarding investments or strategies mentioned on this website or on the show. Before acting on information on this website or on the show, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and strongly consider seeking advice from your own financial or investment advisor.
0: complete terms.
6: I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico.
3: All you can stream with Zumo Play.